Love does not insist on its own way. And yet, how often do we do just that? Sometimes, even to our own detriment. I came across this fun story that was published in one of the Montreal newspapers. A U.S. Navy ship off the coast of Newfoundland was involved in the following conversation. Please divert your course 15 degrees to avert a collision. Recommend you divert your course 15 degrees. This is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. No, I say again, divert your course. This is an aircraft carrier of the United States Navy. We are a large warship. Divert your course at once. This is a lighthouse. It's your call. <laughs> Today we continue our sermon series based on the book, The Gospel According to Dr. Seuss by James W. Kemp. I want us to take a look at a lesser known story Seuss wrote called The Zacks. It's short, so I'm going to read it in its entirety. One day making tracks in the prairie of Prax came a north-going Zacks and a south-going Zacks. And it happened that both of them came to a place where they bumped. There they stood, foot to foot, face to face. Look here now, the north-going Zacks said, I say. You are blocking my path. You are right in my way. I'm a north-going Zacks, and I always go north. Get out of my way now, and let me go forth. Who's in whose way, snapped the south-going Zacks. I always go south, making south-going tracks. So you're in my way, and I ask you to move, and let me go south in my south-going groove. Then the north-going Zacks puffed his chest up with pride. I never, he said, take a step to one side. And I'll prove to you that I won't change my ways if I have to keep standing here 59 days. And I'll prove to you, yelled the south-going Zacks, that I can stand here in the prairie of Prax for 59 years, for I live by a rule that I learned as a boy back in south-going school. Never budge, that's my rule, never budge in the least, not an inch to the west, not an inch to the east. I'll stay here not budging, I can and I will, if it makes you and me and the whole world stand still. Well, of course the world didn't stand still. The world grew. In a couple of years, the new highway came through, and they built it right over those two stubborn zacks and left them there standing unbudged in their tracks. Dr. Seuss had such a way of calling us out, didn't he? Just as the Apostle Paul did, that's not how love behaves. And yet all too often, here we are, people who claim to love our family, claim to love our neighbor, claim to know, love our God, claim to love creation. But we are unwilling to deal with change, unwilling to do things differently. I like what I like. And I'm afraid that is especially true sometimes when it comes to the church. Sometimes we've gotten into our heads that church has always been a certain way. And it is an edict of God that it should always be that way. A friend of mine tells a wonderful story about the parishioner one time who told her one too many times, I only like the good old songs of the church. 
and her smart mouth went into overdrive, and she replied, You mean like Gregorian chants? If we think the church is unchanging, we're just plain wrong. Scripture tells us that God is a creator. And I believe that the church is a living creation adapting as it needs to find ways to help people know God, be in relationship with God, to be vehicles of love and grace to others. Today we celebrate All Saints Day. We remember those in the faith who are now part of that great crowd of witnesses described for us in Hebrews 12.1. So then with endurance, let us also run the race that is laid out in front of us, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let's throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up. Now they live eternally with God, but we believe they surround us, support us, encourage us, join us in our faith journeys. And by saints, we're not talking about those who have been officially given that title by the Roman Catholic Church. No, we mean everyone who has walked with Jesus, who has been faithful in following and penitent in failing. Included are the family members we miss, our friends who meant so much to us, famous people we never knew personally but who worked tirelessly in Christian service. We remember them, and they inspire us. We commune along with them, and they encourage us in our faith journeys. You know, I wonder sometimes what they think when we dig in our heels and say, absolutely not. I don't like that, and I don't want the church to be doing that. A change like that is terrible. Think about the church your mother grew up in. It may not have been all that different, but could a woman wear slacks to church without being the talk of the town? What about your grandfather's church? Was there a woman preacher in the pulpit? Or your great-grandmother who knew that the Bible forbade divorced men from becoming leaders in the church? How about your great-great-grandfather who might have owned slaves? How did he feel hearing a sermon that said the biblical support of slavery was about a particular time and place and slavery is not something God approves of? You see, the church, along with society, has always been changing. I was reading excerpts recently from a fascinating book by theologian Phyllis Tickle called Emergence Christianity, in which she points out that for the last couple of centuries, the world has gone through major upheaval and change around every 500 years. And so too, she said, has Christianity. 500 years ago, we experienced the Great Reformation, and that was, of course, the birth of Protestantism. 500 years before that was the Great Schism when the East and the West split politically, militarily, culturally, linguistically, and intellectually, and religiously. And Europe was plunged into its Middle or Dark Ages. Before that was the Great Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. And before that, the Great Transformation when Christianity emerged in the first place. Phyllis Tickle and others say, that we are living in a time of that next overturning, and that that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
She writes, the old expression of Christianity is refurbished and revitalized while a new, more vital form is created. Change is to be expected, even welcomed because it keeps the church effective in what? Sharing the good news. That's a good thing, unless you're a Zach's. When the Zacks refuse to budge, remember what happens? The world simply goes on around them. It moves forward, and they are left in a standoff, going nowhere. Not growing, not transforming, not living and sharing the love of God. I think God loves even the Zacks, right? But it must cause Jesus to weep when we cling to the old and simply will not open our hands and hearts to the new. Of course, not everything new is good, and that's why we must be disciplined in prayer and discernment. That's why we need to be open to the Holy Spirit like we sang about at the beginning of the service. That's why we need to have deep, meaningful conversations with our neighbors and really really listen. The Zacks are convinced that there is no other way to live other than the one they've always known. How many people did Jesus convince otherwise? Today we celebrate Holy Communion surrounded by a gathering of saints so large we can't even imagine. And each and every one of them, I dare say, had to wrestle with change in their lives, in their religion in their church. And with God's help, I would guess most of those saints learned to step to the side, learn to at least turn sideways so that they could continue to move forward and follow Jesus. So be a saint. Don't be a Zach's. Thanks be to God. Amen.